0: Hey, this is Julie Mullins, co-senior pastor here at Christ Fellowship Church right here in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you for taking time out of your busy week to join us for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. Amen, 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 amen. Well, I want to get started with a question today. Do you, do you remember the first fight you ever got into? Remember? Maybe it was on the playground at school, like some bully was picking on you and you're like, I can't take it anymore. Or if you have a brother or sister, good chance that your first fight was with a sibling, right? And when mom wasn't looking, you're like, ah. People love to fight. We fight about all sorts of things. We march in the streets. We fight for the right to be heard. Husbands and wives fight over money and bills. Why is it there's always one that's a spender and one that's a saver, right? Guess it's to balance this out. People fight at work. Like if, like if your work looks like that, you need to get a new job is what I'm saying. <laughs> Here, here's, here's the truth. You're gonna have to fight this year. Let's just make sure that you are fighting for something that's worth fighting for. Kicking off a new series today, Worth Fighting For, because there's some things this year that you're gonna have to fight for. There's actually some battles that you're gonna have to face this year. There, there's, there's some victories that God wants you to walk in, but how many of you know there's always a trial before the triumph? Like if you're called to be more than a conqueror, then you better get ready. There's some things you're gonna have to conquer through this year. And I want you winning at what matters most, y'all. I want, I want, I want that when you look back on your life, when you're at the end of your life, you know that you gave your life to the things that matter most and you won at what mattered most. That you didn't give your life to things that don't matter, things that don't count, things that don't have any eternal consequence with them. But man, you, you know that you gave yourself to the things that are eternal. And, and the beginning of the year is like the best time to reevaluate, right? And reset and say, man, I wanna get this right, God. I wanna, I wanna give myself to what matters most. And let me say this. Right at the beginning of the year, let me challenge you to make this a priority, all right? That, that every Sunday, you are getting into the house of God. Every Sunday, you're getting your kids into the house of God. Every every Wednesday night, you're getting your middle school and high schoolers right back here. And I tell you what, if, if you make that commitment to do that, I promise you that we are gonna do everything in our power to help you win at what matters most. In fact, what God has put on our hearts for these next five weeks, I believe will change your perspective and your focus, not just for 2023, but it has the power to change the rest of your life. Now now for the next few weeks, we're gonna be looking at one of the most um, captivating and motivating stories in the Bible about an ordinary guy who who wasn't a king or a, a priest or a pastor or a prophet, just a, An ordinary guy having an ordinary day until one day everything changed. Talking about a guy named Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And every time that I look at Nehemiah's story, I find new insights and truth for our lives. Now Nehemiah, his family had been carried off into captivity into Babylon. And Babylon is modern day Iran or Iraq. And he grew up in that culture. And one day he hears a report that the walls around the city of his home city of Jerusalem lie in ruin and the the people are destroyed. And because the walls have been down for decades, the enemy had just kept coming in and ransacking the people in their lives and destroying their families and plundering the temple. And so there was no place for God among the people. So to the point that generations had grown up not knowing God, not having a relationship with God, not knowing anything about God, which sounds a whole lot like today, amen? amen. And so it says, says, Nehemiah says in, in chapter one, verse four, that when I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. This news that he heard so messed with him that he knew he had to do something. Like he didn't know what to do, but he knew, I've got to do something. And, and by the way, he wasn't crying about broken walls, he was crying about broken lives. See, the Bible is full of spiritual parallels for our lives. When you read this Bible and you dig into it, God will show you the parallel of what's happening in the scripture to how it lines up with your life. The, these walls protected the people against the enemy's attack. When the walls were strong, the people were safe and, and secure, right? But when they were weak or broken down, they were open and vulnerable. So the walls gave them peace, the walls gave them security, but most importantly, the walls created a a place for the people to meet with God. Because when the walls were down, the temple couldn't function the way it was supposed to function. The enemy would come in and ransack all the sacrifices and all the elements in the temple, and so the people just gave up and they, they quit going to meet with God. So here's the parallel in our lives. When when your spiritual walls are up and and strong in your life, when when you know the truth of God and the ways of God and those are being lived out in your life and in your your marriage, then your marriage is strong and your family is strong and and your life is strong. But when those walls spiritually are not up, you are open, we're open and vulnerable to the attack of, of the enemy. So when Nehemiah hears about the spiritual and physical condition of the people. It says he fasted and prayed, and then he goes to the king and gets permission to go back to rebuild the walls. Now what I love about Nehemiah is he took personal responsibility to build back what had been torn down. Now get this, he wasn't responsible for the walls having been fallen down and not being fixed. It wasn't his fault but he took responsibility for it. He wasn't responsible, but he became responsible. I'm praying that a spirit of Nehemiah gets on our church in such a way that we take spiritual responsibility for the people around us that don't know God, never met God, don't know anything about God, that we take responsibility for what's broken down in our culture and our world. And we don't look to blame and point a finger at Washington or Disney or whatever, but man, we go, I'm gonna do something about it. I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I gotta do something. And I love that the first thing that Nehemiah did was he prayed. I mean, before he did anything, he prayed, he fasted, he asked God to help him. And that first chapter of Nehemiah, and I would encourage you over the next few weeks to read this story with me, captures part of his prayer. He confesses his sins. He even owns up to the sins of his family and his people. And then at the very end of chapter one, there's always been this one verse that has always jumped out at me. Verse 10, he says, and I was a cup excuse me, a cup bearer to the king. I was a cup bearer to, to the king. So that basically meant he was a waiter. He was the wait staff. He served the king his wine. Now, he had to sample the wine before he gave it to the king to make sure it wasn't poison. so there's that, right? But basically, he was the hired help. But I love that Nehemiah doesn't let his limiting situation limit what God could do to him. Like, like he could have gone, oh, well, who am I? What can I do? I'm just, I'm just a waiter, just a cupbearer, right? No, no, no. That's what Nehemiah did, but that wasn't his destiny. That that might've been his career at the moment, but that wasn't his calling. That's what he did, but that's not who he was. No, 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 he was anointed for something way, way, way beyond that. And God is getting ready to write some new chapters in Nehemiah's life where he'll go back to Jerusalem, lead the people to rebuild the walls and reestablish a place for God in their lives. But right here at the end of the chapter one, he didn't know that. He had no idea what God was getting ready to do with him. He had no understanding that God was gonna use him to help people that were surrounded by hopelessness to be filled with hope once again. People that were defeated to experience victory on the inside for them to turn a nation back to God. God used Nehemiah that way. And listen to me, I believe he wants to do the same thing with you and with me. You might say, well, Todd, I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a, a school teacher or a lawyer or a doctor or I work in construction. Well, that may be your career, but what's your calling? What are, you, what are you called to do, called to be in God's kingdom? Because God wants to use you in ways you never dreamed to establish some things that are eternal. They're gonna outlast and outlive you. And just like we're gonna see in Nehemiah, God uses him to do what others could not do for decades. They had tried to rebuild these walls around Jerusalem day after day, year after year, decade after decade. And we'll see that Nehemiah goes back and does what they could not do and he accomplishes it in just 52 days, y'all. 52 days, what couldn't, couldn't happen for years happens in 52 days, how? How could that happen? But when I studied the story again, I saw two actions that Nehemiah took that just jumped out at me. Two actions that he took that if you will take, it will ensure that you win at what matters most this year in your life. The first one is this, Nehemiah set the right priorities. He had set and established the right priorities. Everybody's got priorities. You got priorities, I got priorities. You may not know what your priorities are. You may not have them listed out. But listen, I tell you, if you take the time to look how you spend your time and how you spend the money God's given you and what you do with the talents that he's put on the inside of you, it will inform you of your priorities. And if you wanna win at what matters most, can I tell you, you better set the right priorities. Nehemiah set his priority on God. We see right from the beginning, he fasted and he prayed and all throughout the story, he's constantly turning to God. And by the way, y'all, he didn't just fast and pray for a few minutes. He didn't just sit and pray for a day or two. He, he actually fasted and prayed for over four months before he goes to the king to try to resolve this. Said, four months, four months. Y'all worry about 21 days, four months, all right? We, we pray about something for a day or two, all right? maybe a week, and if we don't see God move, we don't see the answer, well, I guess God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, you know that's not in the Bible. I've looked for it, that's that's not in here anywhere. What is in here is trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean into your own understanding, your own reason, your own knowledge, but trust in Him and He'll direct your paths and help you get where you need to go. So seeing Nehemiah had set his priorities on God because he knew there were some things that God knew that he didn't know. So he turns to the all-powerful, all-wise, all-knowing God to tap into his wisdom and his insight and his, his power. So where do you turn when you need help? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Who do you run to? Most of us run to our friends. We talk to them, which... Let's be honest. (laughs) They don't know as much as they think they know. Or we'll talk to a spouse, right, and and hammer it out there. Or we'll Google about it. And Dear God, who knows what Siri's going to tell you to do. How about this year we set the right priority that we go to God first. That this is a God first year. Whenever I have a need, when something comes up, when I don't know what to do, man, I'm going to turn to God first because God, you know what I need to do. Look what it says in Jeremiah 29 Thirteen. In fact, once you say this with me out loud, wherever you are, do you have that verse, Jeremiah 29, 13? You must not have it, here it is. It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Once you try to say that. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Can I tell you that we're stepping into this 21 days of prayer and fasting starting this week. It is the perfect time for you to reset and begin to seek God with all your heart to say right from the beginning of the year, God, I am desperate for you. Like I need you to move in my life and in my marriage and in my spirit and with my kids or in my business. God, I'm more than the air I breathe, more than the food I want to eat, man, I'm desperate for you. Let me talk about prayer and fasting for just a minute because every year when our church steps into this sacred season, we see God show up in power. Like we see him answer prayers that people have been praying for years. We see miracles. We see people that have never experienced the power of the spirit of God in their life, know him for the first time. When you take spiritual fasting and you actually combine it with prayer, there's something that unlocks in the spirit realm. And I just, I just got a confession for you. This has not always been easy for me because I love food, look at me, I love food. I love pizza, I love burgers, I love Julie's homemade baking, I just, I love, I love food, so it's always been a little bit of a struggle to work in this spiritual discipline of fasting in my life. But I actually started fasting back when I was in college. I would take every Tuesday, and that would be my day to fast, and I'd only have liquids only all day, and I'd go spend my lunch hour and my dinner hour in this little chapel on campus, and just trying to, connect with God and get away from the noise and the craziness of college life. And I, w- I would journal in that little chapel about what God was saying to me and speaking to me. And, and through the years I've, I've gone beyond to three days and then seven days, or we'll do a 21 day Daniel fast. But every time I fast, it causes me to lose a little bit of my, the things I'm relying on. The stability thing, the p- things I propped up under me that, that, that bring me comfort. And it actually raises my hunger for God and my awareness of the spirit of God and what he wants to say to me and what he wants to do in my life. And, and, and I sense his presence so much more when I am in times of prayer and fasting. I want you to experience him that way. Look, look what the Psalmist says in Psalm 34:8. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you know that you can taste the goodness of God? And I cannot tell you that tastes better than a chocolate cake, his goodness, his faithfulness. Psalm 119 says this, how sweet are your words to my taste, God. Your words are sweeter than honey in my mouth. I have a friend, uh, Rob Hoskins, and and he wrote this. He said, we have the opportunity over these 21 days of prayer and fasting, we have the opportunity to cleanse our palates, which have grown too fond of lesser tastes so that we can experience afresh the sweet taste of the goodness of God and his word. And I, I want to I challenge you over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting that it will be a season where it establishes the right priority and the right hunger in your soul. Some of us has been hungry and tasting on things that are not good for your soul not good for your life, not good for your marriage, not good for your future, and you've been feasting on those things. And this 21 days is an opportunity to break that and actually feast on the things of God. So you've got a choice to make. These next three weeks are gonna be like any other three weeks in the year, or they can actually be 21 days of you encountering God's power, experiencing the Holy Spirit, 21 days of revival in your soul, but it's your choice. You're actually gonna... Get out of it what you put into it. And I want you to get out of it everything God has waiting on you. I want you to come through this 21 days with a, a renewed hunger for the word, a renewed communion with the spirit of God. I'm praying for the joy of your salvation to be restored. I'm praying that all of us, man, you remember when you first got saved, you were like, oh, I love Jesus, <laughs> right? I'm praying for that to get back on all of us through this time of prayer and fasting. So the first thing you have to do, if you're gonna win at what matters most, is you've gotta establish the right priorities on God. Right? The second thing that we see, because Nehemiah didn't just pray, we actually see that he got a plan and he worked that plan. And if you're gonna win, you gotta get a plan. And you gotta work that plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to? And that is true in every area of life, especially spiritually. Some of you are just praying about something, but you're not doing anything else about it. You're just wishing, oh, I hope that changes. Well, I hope that happens. That's not gonna happen, you gotta get a plan. Nehemiah, he didn't just pray, he got a plan. You got a plan for what you're praying for. You got a plan for what you're praying for. See, when Nehemiah went to the king, he didn't just say, oh, king, there's this problem back in Jerusalem. I don't, really, I don't know what to do about it. Hopefully you got an idea. No, he actually goes to the king in chapter two, you read it for yourself, and he clearly asks for permission. Send me back to Judah so I can rebuild the walls of the city. He tells the king how long he's gonna be gone. He asks for letters for safe travel and passage back and forth. He asks for a letter to go to the king's forest and cut down trees so he can rebuild the gates. And you know what? The king gives him everything he asks for and more. He actually sends along his own army officers to protect Nehemiah. And then when Nehemiah gets to Jerusalem, he surveys what's going on and he gets a plan. He's got a plan for how they're going to rebuild it by sections and families and clans. And he's got a plan for when the opposition comes in. He got a plan. Can I tell you, if he had not had a plan, the walls had not been rebuilt. So you better get a plan. If you're going to rebuild the walls and the things of God in your life that need to be rebuilt, then we better get a plan, a plan to rebuild what the enemy has, has torn down in your family and in your home. It's time to reclaim some lost territory, y'all. It's time. There may be some walls that have come down in your family, some places where the gates have been burned, in your home and in relationships. And it's allowed the enemy to just keep coming in and coming in and destroying and messing up with your kids and messing up in your marriage. And it's time to rebuild, to take back some territory, to build back the walls. Don't live that way any longer. You might've lived that way for years. Can I tell you in 52 days, that can all change, but you're gonna have to get a plan and wait for it. You gotta work the plan. I can, I can get a plan to go to the gym three or four times this week, every week, every week of the year. I can pay the membership dues. I can go get a new outfit at Lululemon. I can do all of that. And can I tell you, if I don't go to the gym and actually work the plan, nothing's going to change. I can plan to eat healthier this year. Go to Whole Foods, get some organic kale, put it in the blender. Right? But if I keep going to Chick-fil-A and getting some, Extra Chick-fil-A sauce. Well, what do they put in that sauce? That is like amazing. Anyway, <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta work the plan. You, you gotta work the plan. And here's, what, here's what's important that I saw this time that I hadn't seen before. That is super important if you're gonna win at what matters most. Nehemiah, Nehemiah didn't work the plan alone. He didn't go back to Jerusalem alone. He didn't go to the forest and try to cut down the trees for the gates alone. He didn't try to load the trees up alone. He didn't try to build the wall, no, no, no. Every step along the way, Nehemiah was not alone. In fact, I guarantee you, if he had been alone, he would have failed. Some of y'all are wondering why you keep failing at some of the things that you know are right. You even want them. Like down deep in your spirit, you know this is what God has for your family or for your spiritual walk or your future, but you've been trying to do it alone. See, anytime I've tried to do something alone that's important in my life, I failed. Get over some habit, break some negative thinking, deal with some issue. I had always had to get intentional and get the right people around me and keep the right people around me. And I'm guessing you're a lot like me. Like you probably got great intentions. You're at church on Sunday morning. You're like, come on, I'm gonna keep God first this year. I'm ready for this, this 21 day fast, right? But can I tell you, if you do it alone, you're, 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 not gonna, you're not gonna make it. So what if we stop trying to do it alone? What if we just go, no, 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 this year we're not doing it alone. This year I'm not trying to, walk alone in my faith, build my own faith up, get stronger in my faith alone. No, no, no. Like when Nehemiah went to cut down some trees, some of y'all need to cut some things down in your life that are too big for you to cut down on your own. You actually need to get to like celebrate recovery where they actually know how to cut some things down and root some things up and and, and get rid of some stuff that's some rubble that's lying around. You need to get in a, a men's crew Bible study. Some guys are gonna surround you in the word, sisterhood group gonna help you grow in your faith, take care of some issues in your life. Maybe you've got some problems in your marriage and it's just, it's too big for the two of you to figure it out because you've been, you've been trying. Or maybe you're a student and you actually need to talk to a student leader about something that's going on on the inside. Don't try to do it alone. You know, many of you did not grow up in a home that was centered on Jesus Christ. You didn't grow up that way. You're you're like the first ones in your family that are trying to get this right. So how are you supposed to know how to build a home that's centered on Jesus Christ? You can't by yourself. You actually need to lean into the the CF children's team and let us help you know how you are supposed to pastor your children. Because guess what? You're supposed to pastor your children. You're supposed to disciple your children in the things of God. The church is here to help you, to resource you, to strengthen you, but that's on you, brother. You've got teenagers, God help you. (laughs) And let us help you, right? Let our team come around and help you know how to help them so you can echo the things of God over their lives. Don't try to do this on your own. Some of you have never seen what a healthy marriage really looks like. You've never witnessed it. You're hanging around the wrong people. Let us help you. Get around some other couples that are growing around their lives, around the centrality of Jesus Christ. Don't try to work this plan on your own. Nehemiah got a plan and he worked it together with the people in his life. And then we see in Nehemiah 6.15, it says this, what happened. So on October 2nd, I love how specific the word of God is. On October 2nd, (laughs) the wall was finished. (coughs) Excuse me. Just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies and the surrounding nations heard about it, they were frightened and humiliated because they realized this work had been done with the help of our God. Think about this. What had been in ruins for decades, built back in just 52 days. Just 52 days. Imagine what God could do in your life in 52 days, in your family, in your spiritual walk with him, in just The next 52 days, 52 days of you setting the right priorities, setting the right goals, working that plan. 52 days of of every day just surrendering to the things of God, seeking his heart in his word. Man, you can't even believe what he could do in 52 days. 52 days from today is March 1st. That's just a few weeks away. You're going to blink and it's going to be March 1st. Well, what if you take the next 52 days and you reclaim them to actually build back what God wants to do in your life. It may have been laying in ruins for generations. Quit blaming what happened to you or what your mama did or what your papa didn't do. Let's rebuild some things in Jesus' name, amen? So let me challenge you with this. First, like Nehemiah, I wanna challenge you to set the right priorities, to set the priorities on God, put God first and keep God first. And we are actually gonna help you do that. 21 days of prayer and fasting starts tomorrow, Monday, January 9th. It actually starts tonight at sundown, Okay, right? You just get a little head start. We got the devotional guides. We, we've got guides on how to fast. You heard all that. We've got this, I'm so excited about this prayer course that will actually help you take your prayer life to a whole other level. It's, it's written by a man who has led prayer revivals all around the world. And I read, Julie and I read one of his books this past year and it's changing our prayer life and the way we pray. You need to jump into that prayer course. We've got the night of worship and prayer going on tonight at five o'clock at Gardens and up at uh, Port St. Lucie, down in Boynton and out at Royal Palm. Then join us. Go ahead and just say, I'm gonna, use, I'm gonna lean into everything to set the right priorities for this coming year, all right? The first thing is set the right priorities. And then like Nehemiah, you gotta get a plan and work a plan. Now, your plan is gonna look different than my plan, and my plan's probably gonna be a little different than your plan, but there's gonna be some things that line up that are the same on our plan. The first one is this. We are gonna put God first every day. Every day for the next 52 days, we are gonna put God in the first place. For the next 52 days, I am challenging you to set your alarm clock 30 minutes earlier. Get up earlier. I, It'll be so much better than that 30-minute sleep, I promise you. You get alone with God, you grab a notebook, you grab your Bible, a pen, you go spend some time talking with God. I actually write out my prayers in the mornings because it keeps me focused. And so I can just sit there and write to God. I look back over prayers. I've been praying this whole year in my notebook. I read some scripture. I'll read a devotional, and then I'll write down what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me so I can remember it and not lose it. I mean, let's, at the beginning of every day, let's set this time to put God first. That's the plan, work the plan. The second one is we're gonna put God first at the beginning of every week. Sunday is the first day of the week. So we're gonna give God the first. We're gonna give him the first of our week. Before we get busy with all the other things we have going on in our week, we are gonna give God this first time. this time together with God centered around his word and his Holy spirit is not something that we can give or take winter. It may happen. I don't know. We might go to Disney. I'm not sure. Can I tell you, your kids don't need to go to Disney anymore. Can I just be honest with you for a minute? They've been there enough. They've seen the mouse. They've ridden the rides. I'm not saying you can't go to Disney. I'm just saying that's not going to help them live the life. God created them to live. That's not going to help them understand who Jesus is and how to walk with him. You need to get your kids here every, make this a priority. You don't realize how much you need this. It's crazy out in the world, y'all. Crazy things going on, but when you can get in here on a Sunday morning, get centered around the word of God and the life that he has for you, man, it's gonna get you ready for the rest of your week. We want this hour to be the best hour of your week to help inform all the other hours of your week. Give God the first part of every day, first part of every week, and then we are gonna begin to rebuild what is broken. Now for some of you, you need to get into celebrate recovery on Tuesdays because you've got some habit or hurt or hang up that's been tripping you up for far too long. And it's time for you to get freed up. See how they do that? You need to get freed up, get up, get freed up and be who God's called you to be. Some of you, um, you need to do something about your marriage like today. Like today, you, if you don't do something drastic about your marriage, something drastic is going to happen to your marriage. You gotta to talk to a pastor, you gotta get in counseling this, Christian counseling this week, and you gotta invest in this. For some of you, um, maybe what you need to build back up is your mental health. And maybe you know that on the inside, things aren't healthy and right, and it's time for you to talk to somebody, talk to a pastor, get in counseling, bring it out so you can build it back up and let it be strong again. For others of you, when you look at what's happening in your family, in your home, you know there's some walls that have been torn down because there's some things going on in your home that uh, you know are not God's best for your family or for your kids, it's time to build the walls back up. Come on, now's the time. Time to turn the TV off. Don't let, don't let them watch that stuff. They don't need to be watching that stuff. Listen to that stuff. Man, if you've never had family devotions, have family devotions for the next 52 days. Blame it on me. Just say, Pastor Todd said we had to have, right? And I'm not saying you gotta do it for 30 minutes. Just take five minutes, either at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day. Just pray together. Say, I wanna pray over you. Dads, if you're listening to me and, and you're in the home, man, you need to take the leadership of that. Just take the leadership. Couples, pray together for the next 52 days. And again, I play this game with couples. I'm like, whoever remembers, oh yeah, Todd said we had to pray, the other one has to pray. So just be the one that remembers. What you're doing is you are inviting the presence of the Holy Spirit into that home, letting him be at the center of it. And I can I tell you, when you do that, everything can change. So we're going to give them the first part of every day, first part of every week. We're going to rebuild what has been broken. Just a minute, we're going to pray. And uh, as you leave today, there are walls around your campus. And I want you to write on the walls what you're praying for over these next 52 days, what you're believing God to rebuild who God needs to speak to and touch and what you need him to do. And those are actually gonna be the prayer walls that our prayer team is gonna be praying over for the next 52 days with you. And I believe that in agreement, we're gonna see God do amazing things in your life and in your family. The 2023 is gonna be the best year you've ever had so far because it's gonna be centered on the things of God and the ways of God. And they're gonna be built strong in your life. And you're gonna know him like you've never known him before. I want you to know I love you. And Julie and I are praying for God's blessings to rest on you as we step into this year together. I want you to stand in all of our campuses. I wanna pray two prayers over us today. First prayer I wanna pray is that um, God's spirit would speak to you. In fact, I think he already has. And show you the priorities that are off and what priorities you need to reset. And that these next 21 days of prayer and fasting would reignite your passion and your love for Jesus like never before, that you would know his word in a fresh way, that you would take a step towards him that would change the destiny of your life and the life to come. Second prayer, I wanna pray for those of you today that at the beginning of the year, you need to get your relationship with Jesus right because it's not where it needs to be. You know it isn't. Hey, today's the best day to just go, I'm gonna reset that. I wanna turn my life over to Jesus because you will never experience the life he has from you apart from that. So would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Father God, we thank you for your word that teaches and instructs us, helps us know when we're off path, how to get back on the path, how to correct us. And I believe the Holy Spirit, you've been speaking to people today. And I pray uh, for those priorities that need to be shifted and reset, those places we've been focused on the wrong thing. Today, bring us back to you, the right one pray that you'd reveal yourself over these next 21 days of prayer and fasting, that you would show yourself strong in people's lives and that God, there would be a spiritual mark that would be left on us coming through this season, we pray. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, I know this second prayer is for me because I need to get my relationship with God right. My friend, it only comes as you open up your life to Jesus and you ask him to be the Lord of your life. And if you need to do that today, you need to get your peace right with God. You need to get the joy of the Lord in your life today. If that's you and you would say, Todd, include me in this prayer, right where you are, would you just raise your hand? Hold it up high. Let me see it. Yep. All of our rooms. Yes. Today, we're gonna pray this prayer together, but those who are with your hands up, this is your prayer. You prayed a little louder. Just say this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life and be the Lord over my life. I surrender to you. Fill me with your joy and peace. And I will follow you the best I know how for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Come on, let's thank God for that. Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and then select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, just make sure that you subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to all of you who so generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's really because of you that everything we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.